Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, come on, House family. How y'all feeling this morning? Come on. Are you excited to be in the house of God? Come on, the second Sunday in the new building. Y'all look a lot further away than normal, so I'm going to need y'all to help me, all right? So I'm going to need some, some shout-me-downs. I'm going to need some amens. I'm going to need you to talk back to me today. Um, you know, before I even get started, one of the values we have here at the house is that we choose honor. And um, we say it like that intentionally because honor is not something that you always feel. Um, sometimes you just have to choose it even when you don't feel it. And so I want to give honor where honor is due. And honestly, we have great pastors and, and great leaders, and so they're easy to honor. And, and what I would say is, you may see me today and, and think certain things, but I want to tell you that everything that you're going to hear me talk about, everything about my marriage, everything about my parenting, everything about my leadership has been impacted um, by our pastors. I mean, I met them when I was 17. Come on, I was wild, and I, I had a lot of potential, but not pretty much anything else. <laughs> I didn't have no money, didn't have nothing, and, and they took a chance on me, and they brought me in, and they treated me more like a son than a member of their church or an employee, and so could you just join me in honoring our pastor, Stephen and Katie? Come on. Well, we are in part two of a series we're calling Walk In. Come on, it's our hope that you would walk into some things that God has for you. Everything that God has for you, every place that your foot touches. Come on, we're praying that the favor of God would be on your life and that you're walking into some new things. You may have been in a season that's been sad or depressing or you've been full of anxiety. And what we're praying is that you are walking in to a new season. And so if you missed last week, Go back and listen to that. But I want to jump right in today. If you have your Bible with you, go to Mark chapter 2. If you don't, um, don't worry. They're going to put it on the screens. And so you're you safe today, but bring it with you next week because, you know what I'm saying, screens might go out. You never know. All right. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Let's read this together. Um, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Come on, you know you're preaching good when you got the house packed out. There's no room left. Uh, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Let me get the next one. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen 
anything like this. Come on, my assignment today is walk out. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us today. God, speak through your word. Challenge us. Encourage us. God, I'm praying that that the people of the house would walk out different. God, that we would have open hearts, that we would have ears to hear what you're doing, and we would have eyes to see what it is that you want to do in us and through us today. Holy Spirit, speak through me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, here's a universal truth for life. No matter who you are, uh, uh, this is true. There are some situations, there are some places, come on, there are some relationships that you walk into one way and you walk out the other way. Come on, I remember going to the DMV for the first time. Come on, we should just be renamed to the Devil's Playground because it's awful. I remember walking in, come on, I was 18, going to get my driver's license. I know that's a little late to get your driver's license, but, you know, we had some struggles along the way. And I remember just walking in full of joy and excitement and anticipation because your boy is about to be driving. And so I walk up and I'm like, I'm here to get my license. And the lady just kind of looks at me. She was like, sit down, get a number, and we'll call you when we're ready for you. I was like, oh, okay. So this, this is one of those places. Y'all don't do it like Chick-fil-A here. Okay, okay. So, so I walked out three hours later, feeling about 13 years older. And I, I walked out a little bit different. I remember the ending of last year, Sydney sat me down, you know, and was like, hey, you know, since we've been together, really since I've known you, uh, you haven't been to the dentist. <laughs> like, you've never been to the dentist. And I was like, yeah, I mean, my teeth feel fine. They kind of straight. So, yeah, I don't go to the dentist. And she was like, well, when was the last time you went to the dentist? And I was like, well, if you carry the one, it's... That's about 12 years old, okay? So that's about, that's about 14 years ago. That's about 14 years ago, and, and uh, I haven't been since then. And she was like, okay, Devin, let me just tell you something. Uh, you're supposed to go to the dentist like every six months. You, do you know that? I was like, nobody ever told me that. I just thought you go, and then if something goes wrong, you go. And so she set an appointment for me, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm finna, they're going to be like, wow, your teeth are amazing to say you haven't been here for 14 years. You don't even need us. This is a, you don't have anything wrong with your teeth. These are great. You are the model teeth citizen. In fact, can we take a picture of your teeth and put them on the wall so everyone can know what their teeth are supposed to look like? And they didn't say that at all. They were scraping around in my mouth. They gave me this long list of like 17 different things I have to get done. And I went back and then she pulls out this long needle. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I think you got me mistaken for somebody else. They told me I was coming here for a cleaning. And she was like, well, what happens when you don't come to the dentist for 14 years is we got to do a little bit of an intense cleaning. And so we got to shoot you in your mouth a couple of times. I walked out of that dentist completely different. <laughs> Then I walked in. This, this, this past week, we uh, took a little trip to Branson. Branson is just a good trip to take. It's only a couple hours. And, and you know, we had been working to get the building done, and we did the soft launch. And so it was like, all right, we're going to go, and, and we're going to relax. We're going to just, just lay back and chill. And my version of relaxing is completely different than my wife's version of relaxing, okay? And if you're married, you understand this, okay? I am the type, when I say relax, I mean, I'm cutting everything off, and I'm going to just lay down. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to talk about nothing. I don't even want to think if I can help it. But my wife's version of relaxing is doing something 
fun, okay? And so, and so we get to Branson, and the next day, um, and the Hills came with us, and so we were all just going to hang out, do the little friend thing. It's just going to be a great time. And they were like, we're going to a water park. It's going to be so fun. Two things I ain't really, like, into. Water and amusement parks. And we have fused both of these. But you know what? I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm trying to be a good dad. And so I agree. We all load up. We go to the amusement park. Okay, I want to show you how we walked into the amusement park. So I think we have a picture. Here we go. You know what I'm saying? I had to Photoshop on a shirt real quick because I didn't want, you know what I'm saying, to put Stephen to shame like that. But uh, notice the smiles. Look at the anticipation. Stephen Hill is smiling. I know his eyes are open. I know you can't tell, but they are. I'm smiling. I got my shades. I got my dad shades on, Nick. I'm ready for a great time. Sydney and Lindsay are excited. The kids got on the floaties. It's like everybody is ready, okay? Now let's show them the after of the amusement park. Okay. Notice the only two people smiling are still Lindsay and Sydney. We walked out completely different. First thing, we walk and we see the little wave pool, the thing that, you know what I'm saying, shoots the waves. And I'm like, this will be fun. This is chill. They have floaties. I'm going to put Malachi in one. He got splashed in the face, thought he was dying, tried to take off running, slipped, busted up both of his knees, and now he's just, he's just crying. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go sit down. He falls asleep on me for like two hours, and now I'm like, bro, I paid all this money for this man to take a nap, bro. This is the most expensive nap that he has ever taken. In the middle of him taking a nap, me and Stephen Hill are just sitting over there, and the biggest bees that I have ever seen in my life are swarming around. And so now I'm trying to like make sure I don't wake up my kid. I'm ducking bees. It's just not good. And then you may be like, why is Devin holding up a towel to his face. Well, after all of the excitement, I'm just sitting there, and my nose just starts bleeding. And so now I'm sitting there with an upset kid. My nose is bleeding, but my wife has had the time of her life, obviously. (laughs) And this is what we do as husbands, okay? When it's easy to look at that and laugh because it's silly and it's fun, and, and obviously we walked out completely different, but if we were being honest, come on, life has a way of doing that to you. Come on, life, life has a way of, of sometimes you walk into something full of anticipation and joy, and then you walk out a completely different way. Come on, you, you used to have a lot of joy before you walked into that one job. Come on, you used to have a lot of confidence before you, you walked into that one relationship. You used to have a lot of faith, and then... Life brought you a hurdle or, or a hiccup or, or a hardship, and, and it kind of sucked the life out of you. And, and if we're not careful, we'll go through life and we'll let thing after thing take from us. But, but can I tell you about a man named Jesus? Come on, can I tell you that, that God is the opposite of the world? Come on, when you walk into situations in the world, you leave feeling drained. But when you walk into the room and Jesus is there, you may walk in feeling empty, but you're going to leave feeling full. Come on, you may walk in full of anxiety, but you're going to leave full of peace. And I'm grateful for this story in Mark chapter 2 because it reminds me that it doesn't matter how you come into the room. Come on, when you meet Jesus and you have a conversation with him, 
You don't always walk out the same way that you walked in. Maybe you came today and you haven't faced any hardship. I'm not even preaching to you right now. I want to talk to the people who life has beat you up a little bit. Things have gotten you down a little bit. And I just came to remind you to remember the last time that that happened, to remember the last time you were down and you met with Jesus and you had a moment where the Spirit of God touched you and it changed everything. Come on, can we praise God because he's a God that restores. He's a God that heals. Come on, he's a God that redeems. Jesus being in the house makes a difference. Come on, throughout the Gospels, there are several moments where Jesus is in a house and things change. In Matthew chapter 8, come on, he goes into Peter's house and his mother-in-law has a fever and Jesus heals her. In Mark chapter 5, he enters the house of a man named Jairus, and his daughter is laying there, and they've already started the funeral and everything, and Jesus tells them, I don't know why y'all are doing all that, because she's not dead. She's just asleep, and he resurrects her. When Jesus is in the house, he brings things back to life. In Matthew chapter 17, come on, Peter is in the house, and he's worried about how he's going to pay his tax, and Jesus tells him, go catch a fish, and in the mouth of that fish, you're going to find what you need. Come on, when Jesus is in the house... He meets our needs. In Luke chapter 19, come on, there's this man named Zacchaeus, and, and, and nobody likes Zacchaeus. Come on, we all know somebody like Zacchaeus because he's a tax collector, and so they're like, man, we ain't really rocking with Zacchaeus like that, especially not the people who, who were religious, especially not the people who were holy. And, and Jesus sees them and says, I'm coming to your house. And when he's in the house, he says, salvation has come to this house because when Jesus steps inside of the house, come on, salvation is there for people, even the ones that feel overlooked. But also when Jesus is in the house, he challenges our perspective. Come on, when Jesus is in the house, your thoughts should be challenged. What you think about people should be challenged. What you think about God should be challenged. Come on, you can't come to church for a year and never have one of your thoughts challenged because Jesus comes in the house And he challenges our perspective, just like he challenges these teachers. But Jesus never shows up by himself. Come on, I I love the Gospel of Mark. If I had to just pick one of the Gospels to read, it's Mark. Because Mark, he, he skips all of the baby Jesus. He skips all of the genealogy. And Mark just gets straight to business. He's like, you know what? All of that's cool. I'm going to let Matthew and them do that. But me, I'm just going to tell you what you need to know. I like Mark because I could tell if he was telling me a story, he would get straight to the point. Some people, when they tell you a story, they got to give you the backstory of three months ago and all that. And I'm just like, listen, you could just give me like three minutes and tell me everything that I need to know and we can be on our way. And that's how Mark starts. And so in Mark chapter one, Jesus gets straight into ministry. Come on, he gets baptized, and then he starts getting disciples, and he's healing uh, people with demons, and he's bringing people. Like he, like, he is growing a crowd, and so what happens is, is in Mark chapter 1, verse 28, Mark actually writes this, and at once his fame spread, talking about Jesus, everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So Jesus has a following, and this is why the house is packed. People have heard about what Jesus can do. People have heard about the power of God on Jesus' life and the authority that he teaches with, and so people are packed in this house. And, and in, this, in this house, there are four groups of people that I think we should be aware of. Come on, first you have the crowd. Come on, the crowd is there for a good time. The crowd is there because maybe they're kind of questioning, uh, they're, they're, they're curious about God. And in this house, come on, there are always going to be people who are in the crowd. 
Come on, the crowd hasn't made up their mind yet. The crowd is like, you know what? When you got the fish and the loaves, I'm with you. But when you tell me we got to start eating your body and drinking your blood, (laughs) I think I got stuff to do at the house. I'm going to be back when y'all are done with that. The crowd is still making up their mind on if they want to follow Jesus or not. But it's a good time, so they're there. The second group of people you have in the house is the religious. Come on, the religious are there to criticize the work of Jesus. They're there to learn something intellectually, but not necessarily change the way that they live. Come on, the religious can also be um, characterized as critical. Come on, they always have questions in their hearts of why you do it like this and, and why you do it like that and why do we keep the AC on Antarctica? Like why, like, why are the ceilings so high? This new building is so big. Why do we have to go through the hallway to get our kids? And why do they lock the door in the middle? Of the, and, and they always have something when the move of God is happening that they would rather question. Just like the Pharisees in this story, instead of thanking God that someone has been forgiven, they're questioning in their heart, who told him that he has the ability to do that? The third group of people that are always going to show up when Jesus shows up is the broken. Come on, the broken, they need something for Jesus. And if we were being honest, all of us have been in that place at one time or another. Come on, all of us have been in a situation where honestly, come on, and usually how it goes for me is Jesus is the last thing to try. Come on, we've, we've tried everything we can try. We've done everything that we know how to do. We've gone and we've seen the doctor. We've done this and that. We've gone through every step that people have told us, told us to go through, and it still hasn't worked. And so Jesus is, is our last hope, our last opportunity. Come on, if, can you imagine being this man? I don't know how long he was paralyzed. I don't know how, how severe um, his paralyzation was. I don't know how, like, how many people had overlooked him. I don't know how how like poor or rich he was. It doesn't say anything about that, but I do know that he was broken. And I do know that even earlier in Mark 1, people were bringing people to Jesus' door because they needed a healing. And there's always going to be broken people, and we can't overlook broken people. Come on, we got to invite broken people in and let them know that God loves them, that he sees them, that he'll restore him, restore them because God has done the same thing in your life. And so who are we to now, oh, we got a new building, so, you know, don't touch the walls. <laughs> like, like, who are we to, to now look back and go, no, God is for certain people. No, God it's for everyone. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that it doesn't matter how far you've been gone, how long you've been away from church, or if you've never even heard about Jesus, that the gospel is for you. Come on, when other people see inadequacies and incompetence and um, view people as unwanted, Jesus sees them how God designed them, and he sees them through the lens of love. The last group of people, um, and the group of people that I want to challenge us to be today is the carriers. Come on, the carriers partner with God to see him do the miraculous. Come on, the carriers find a way to get people to Jesus. Come on, these are the type of people you want to have in your corner. These are the type of people that you want to do life with. In Mark chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus of Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Come on, you need some people in your life who will do whatever it takes 
to get you to Jesus. Come on, and in a minute, um, they're going to talk about life groups. And can I just encourage you, so the people that I do life with are the people that bring me to Jesus. And some of you have no friends, and I would say you need to jump in a life group. And some of you have friends, they're just not good friends. And I would say you need to jump into a life group. If, you, if all of your buddies hate their wives, you need new friends. <laughs> if all of your girlfriends, like, hate their kids, you need to be in a different life group. Like, like you need to do life with people who are going to put you on the mat even when you don't want to, even when you can't do it yourself, even when it looks like the room is packed, and they're going to say, no, 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 I'm going to get you to Jesus because I can't fix you. No amount of substance is going to fix you. No other person can fix you, but I do know the one who heals. And so we don't have life groups just so people can sit around and drink tea and laugh together. No, we have life groups so people can step into community because it's in the process of doing life with other people that you get a healing. Come on, people who love the Lord, people who have a heart to see you transform. So we have these four groups, and I would just ask you, which one are you in today? Which one of these groups do you find yourself in? Come on, are you in the religious group, and you're just kind of here because it's what you're supposed to do, and come on, you notice everything that's wrong? Are you in the broken group, and you know what? This is like you, you told God this morning, um, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to go to church one more time. Come on, are you in the, are you in the crowd and you're just, kind of, you're just kind of checking it out? Whatever group you find yourself in, I believe that God has something for you today. Come on, God wants to meet you right where you're at. Come on, look at someone and say, you're called to carry. Oh, come on, we're going to have to do better like that. You act like you ain't had no coffee this morning. Come on, (laughs) look at somebody else. Maybe it's a better option for you. Look at them and say, you're called to carry. (laughs) Come on, come on. Because just because Jesus is in the house and everybody else is in the house doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility. Come on, as believers, we don't just get to show up and enjoy the show. Come on, you didn't buy a ticket to get up in this mug. This is, not, this is not a concert with a speaker at the end. No, this is the church, and we are the church. And so we're all called to carry. This is not a hangout. This is not a country club for, for people who don't cuss. This is a place where carriers come to be encouraged to do what God has called them to do. Because we know that when Jesus is in the house, come on, we have a responsibility And so if we are going to be the people who see other people walk out differently, I believe that there are three things um, that we have to do. There's three things we have to do to help people walk out differently. The first thing is this. We have to find hurting people. And I put find right here, but honestly, it would be, it's easier to find hurting people than it is to avoid them. Because everywhere you look, you can find hurting people. In this room, there are hurting people. In your family, there are hurting people. Every other corner, there's hurting people. At your job, there's hurting people. Every time you go to Walmart, there, there are hurting people. And so maybe it's not as much as we need to find them, but we need to stop avoiding them. Come on, it can be so easy to get caught up in life and just get busy and feel like, you know, especially because I serve at a church and I'm on staff to feel like I'm doing the Lord's work all the time. And so I overlook hurting people. But lately I've been convicted that, man, working at a church 
It's like I'm not going to be able to get in front of Jesus one day and go, you know what, I know I overlooked all these people, but I mean, I preached some good sermons. <laughs> He's going to say, what about all the hurting people that you overlook? We can't afford to overlook people who need Jesus. Because he actually says that whatever you do to the poor, whatever you do to the hurting, whatever you do to the widows, whatever you do to the people who are in prison, like whatever you do to the least of the people, it's, it's like you've done it to me or, or whatever you don't do for them, it's like you, has, you haven't done it for me. I can imagine that it was the popular thing for these guys to be friends with a paralyzed man. When you think about these four guys who, who lowered this dude, and I can't, I can't imagine, you know, on the first day of school, everyone was fighting to be friends with him. Like, I can't, I can't imagine that everybody was fighting over his attention. In fact, if anything, he probably was the most overlooked. Because in, in Jewish culture, they viewed anything, anything that was wrong with you physically or mentally or any sickness that you had, they viewed that as you're sinful, and so we're not going to be around you. And so the fact that these guys would even befriend this person shows me that, that they were looking for hurting people to befriend. And can I ask you, are we looking for hurting people to love, or are we looking for hurting people to avoid? Are we looking for hurting people just so we can tell them everything that's wrong with them? Like, are we looking for hurting people in our families just so we can correct them and tell them how they need Jesus? Or are we looking for hurting people simply because we know God has a heart for them and he loves them? And the same image of God that's inside of you with your 401k and your good job is the same image of God that's, in, that's inside of people who live a homosexual lifestyle. It's the same image of God that's inside of people who got four or five baby daddies and are on welfare and food stamps. It's the same image of God that's at the person that works at the gas station. Like the same image of God is inside of all of us. And so their broke may look a little bit different than your broke, but we're all broken. And so we have to find hurting people. Because what we do when we overlook hurting people is we overlook the image of God inside of them. And just like the good shepherd will leave the 99 to come and find the one sheep that maybe it was their own doing. Come on, I'm not saying that, that every broken person um, is empty of responsibility. Because like, I've been broken, and a lot of times, I'm going be honest, I was just being stupid. Like, I just did something stupid, <laughs> and it led me to a broken place. And so, sure, some people make decisions, and it leaves them broken. But Jesus doesn't say, if you don't make bad decisions, I'll love you. Jesus just says, I'll love you regardless we got to find hurting people. The second is, we have a responsibility to fill the house. Come on, as believers, we should take every empty seat. Come on, we should take every empty classroom. We should take every day that the church doesn't have anybody at it. Like, we should take every one of those moments and those things as an opportunity and as a window for us to go and fill the house. Come on, every time you sit, come on, we did not get this many chairs just so you can have more space so you can stretch out across two of them, okay? I'm glad that you think they're comfortable, but they ain't that comfortable, okay? And so we got this many chairs because we want to fill the house. We want to fill the house because we know Jesus is in the house. And this is how God works. God always forms things before he fills them. Come on, he created the sky, and then he put birds in it. He didn't make birds first and then go, man, I'm going to need something to put these dudes in, so let's make the sky. <laughs> well, he didn't create fish first and then go, well, you know, I didn't really give them lungs to breathe oxygen, so I'm going to have to figure out water. No, he created the seas, and then he placed 
the fish inside of them. So God gave us this building, and he's given us the responsibility to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill it. And so you can either start inviting people or you can start having some more kids. But one way or the other, we're going to fill this mug, okay? And so because we are called to fill the house. Come on, there were so many people in this house, and I can't, they didn't have GPS, come on, they didn't have social media, come on, they didn't pull it up on the Waze app, come on, somebody had to be going around talking about Jesus, somebody had to go be going around saying, you know what, I heard about this man who can heal, he's calling himself the son of man, I don't really know what that means, all I know is he's going around, he's teaching with authority, he's forgiving sins, and he's healing people. Do the people in your life know about Jesus? Come on, do the people in your life know that a year ago when you came to the house, your marriage was in trouble, but now that you've been here for a year, your relationship is restored. Come on, do the people around you know your story? Because, because honestly, if we were to be real, sometimes we avoid telling those stories and filling the house because it gets a little uncomfortable. Come on, I like the people that I know. If, if, if you don't know me, I'm going to just tell you a little something about me. I re- even though I get up on stage and I talk on a mic, you know, I didn't really have a choice in that. Uh, I'm an introvert, all right? I'm an introvert. And so, and so I like the people that I know. <laughs> I really enjoy the people that I know. That doesn't mean that I don't love everybody. That doesn't mean that I don't want to meet you. I want to meet you after service. I'm so glad you're here. But it's just a lot harder for me. It takes a lot more energy for me to be around people all day every day, okay? And so filling the house is uncomfortable because when I fill the house, I got to learn new names. When I fill the house, I got to deal with more personalities. Just adding the personality of Malachi to my house has been enough for me, okay? And so when we fill the house, we have to really ask ourselves, what is just my preference and what is actually principle? Because we'll get all puffed up about the principle. No, this is my seat, and I sit here every Sunday, and if somebody's sitting in my seat, I'm telling them, one more time, I come into church, and somebody is sitting in my seat. I'm flipping tables. I'm flipping chairs. I'm going to tell them about themselves, because why are you here right now? Come on, we love filling the house until our parking spot. Oh, I'm not even going to go there. Until our parking spot (laughs) gets jacked. Come on, we love filling the house until, come on, you were the door greeter for two years. You was holding it down. Nobody was, you was quick with it. You were the best door greeter on the planet. And then Mitch came to you and said, hey, it's time to, you know what I'm saying, move you to something else. I'm going to move you to coffee. And we got a new person that's going to come in and, and open the doors. You're like, I don't even know. That doesn't make no sense. I don't even drink coffee. Have you ever seen me drink a cup of coffee and Mitch is going to send me an email talking about I'm going to be the coffee person? I like opening the door. I can smile. I, wear the, I got the mints. I'm ready. I can open the door. And now you're just mad about something that's preference. That's not, that's not principle. Principle is people knowing the Father. Does you moving out of your spot affect people Knowing the Father, yes or no? No! Does it affect people accepting forgiveness? No! Does it affect people living free? No! Does it affect you feeling your purpose? You may feel like opening the door was your purpose for the rest of your life, and I'm just here to tell you, it wasn't, okay? And so, if the answer is no to all four of those, then we are going to put filling the house over our own feelings, And this is what the Pharisees couldn't do. Come on, they wanted to come in 
and look real smart and theological and, and sit down and ask Jesus questions and go, what about this? And, and what about that? And what about this? And they just wanted to have their little Passover and just hang out with all the religious people. And when Jesus shows up and broken people are coming and people who haven't bathed in a couple of days are coming, which let me say, just bathe, okay? Just bathe, all right? But when people are showing up that don't look like them, they get bothered because they can't put their preferences to the side. But filling the house reminds us that being in the house is not about us. It's about others. Come on, these guys are willing to go through whatever it takes to get this man in the house because they know it's not even about them. It, it doesn't mention their names. It doesn't mention a single thing wrong with them. All it says is that these four guys brought their friend who needed Jesus. Which leads me to my, the third thing we need to do if we're going to be people who see other people walk out differently, is we have to have faith for healing. Come on, it does us little to no good if we fill the house with broken people, but none of us in here have any faith to see them be healed. Come on, you can invite your friends all you want to, but if the power of God is not in the house, it doesn't make a difference. Sure, come on, they may have a nice cup of coffee. Come on, they may enjoy the service, but we're not here to do good services. We're here to see people's lives change. And so we have faith to see people healing. I find it interesting that it says that Jesus saw their faith and then forgave the man's sin. It's almost like faith is not something that's just private, but, but faith is something that other people should be able to see. Like we should be able to see your faith by the actions that you take. Come on, these men had persistent faith. Imagine like, like them, come on, they've carried this guy. I don't know how, how far they, they walked. Maybe it was a couple miles. Maybe they just live right down the street. Maybe they were next door neighbors. But however far, if you've ever carried a grown man, dude was heavy, okay? And so, and so they carry him all this way and, and they can hear the commotion. They can hear Jesus preaching. They, they walk up to the door and, and they realize, man, it's, it's packed in there. It's, it, it, there's no way we can get in. If we did get in, we would have to stop everything. And so, you know, in, in groups of friends, there's always a ringleader that has all the crazy ideas. I'm not that friend. In my friend group, I have the normal ideas. I have the sane ideas. I would have been like, hey, guys, you know what? Seems like Jesus is pretty busy right now. I don't even think he's healing. It looks like he's teaching. So maybe we could come back on Tuesday. I heard Tuesday was his healing day. And if we get here early on Tuesday, then, I mean, he's not going anywhere. We could just bring him, bring him back and get him healed then. But they must have had a friend in the group that said, you know what? I don't want to carry homeboy back. Like, like, like I don't want to carry him back. This dude is heavy. And so here's what let's do. Let's get on the roof and let's dig a little hole out and let's just shimmy him on down. Now, I'm a youth pastor, so I have had to preach through a lot of different things, okay? Teenagers, you know, you ask rhetorical questions in a sermon, and they answer it. And then they start like a five-minute side conversation in the middle of you preaching. Teenagers will be Snapchatting. Teenagers will be on Instagram with their volume on, (laughs) watching reels and playing videos, watching basketball highlights. If you're a teenager in this room, not you, the other kid. I'm talking about all of the other kids in our youth group. Um, so I've had to preach through some distractions, okay? 
Even on Sunday morning, some of you haven't seen your faces <laughs> when you've been preached to. But it's like, I'm like, dang, either you hate me or you hate your life. But either way, we're going to get you saved today because Jesus. But I've never had to preach through somebody dropping through the roof. If you drop through the roof, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm wrapping up the sermon. <laughs> And uh, we're going to have to escort you up out of this mug because why are you coming through, specifically at my house? I like that roof. I had to personally pay for that roof. That's a nice roof. We built that roof not too long ago. So if you drop through my roof, I don't care what you got going on. You're going to have more problems because it's my roof. And in the middle of Jesus preaching and teaching with authority, they, they, they drop down and he stops everything. And it says that Jesus sees their faith. Their faith is so persistent that it gets the attention of Jesus and it makes him stop what he was doing and turn and give all of his attention to them. I wonder if we have faith like that. I wonder if we have faith like it talks about in James chapter 2 verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Come on, I don't know about you, but but I don't want to have dead faith. Like, I don't want to have faith where I just pray for things to happen, but I don't put in any work to see them happen. Come on, I don't want to be believing for something over and over and over. Because I'm sure the p- other people in the room, I'm sure there were people that were believing for something. I'm sure there were people that had faith, but they just didn't have any work. And can I tell you that these four men put in a lot of work for something that wasn't even for them. And so a lot of times we can have faith and we can put in work when it's stuff for us. Oh, come on, when I... Come on, when I need something, I don't have a problem praying, and I don't have a problem putting in the work. But when somebody else calls me, and they need help moving. (laughs) Come on, when somebody else calls me, and they're going through a hard time. If I'm being honest, sometimes I find it really difficult to stop and to put the same work into it. And it does us no good if people come to us, and they're hurting, and they're broken, and we go, oh, man, I'm praying for you. I hope that works out. Go. It says they're hungry, and instead of inviting them over and cooking them a meal, we go, well, I pray that you, that you get filled. <laughs> Their marriage is falling apart, and instead of inviting them over and investing in them, well, I'm just I'm praying for y'all. Their kids are, are turning away from the Lord. And instead of you calling your son that's a little bit older than them who went through the same thing and telling them to reach out, I'm praying that that it gets better. Like, yes, prayer works and prayer is necessary and we need to pray. That's why we did May We Pray. That's why we do January Seek Him. Like, you should have a rhythm in your life of praying, but you also should have a rhythm in your life of working. Come on, we pray, but then we meet needs. Come on, we pray, but then we meet people where they're at. We'll pray, but then we'll dig a hole in the roof if we need to drop you down. Come on, we'll pray for you, but we're also going to do the work needed to see you be healed. I wonder what people in our lives have yet to step into all that God has for them because we haven't done the work. 
And we're praying and we're, come on, we're speaking in tongues and we're on our knees and we're asking for a move of God and God is asking us to move. Come on, they could have still been in their village. They could have still been in their neighborhood praying for this dude to get healed. Or they could have said, you know what? Get up on this mat, bro. We finna carry you to Jesus. And then when they got there, they couldn't get in. So they said, you know what? I don't know how they got on the roof. I don't know if they did the little daisy chain thing where you just step up and, and jump. Or they had a ladder on the side or if there was a staircase. I don't know how they got up there. But all I know is they were willing to put in the work. And Jesus sees their faith and he heals the man. Now, I like to think logically. So if this was me at this moment in the story, you know, when we read, when we read the Bible, it's easy to go, well, I know what I would have did. But you don't because you, you weren't there. You didn't have all the context that they had and you didn't have all the issues that they had. And so they, they dropped the man in. This is an awesome moment. And in my mind, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus is about to heal. He's about to walk. I'm already telling you, he's about to break dance up out of this mug. Even a moonwalk up out of here. It's about to be on. I done seen him heal demons. I've seen him pray over fish and bread. Like, I've seen him do some stuff. I know what he's about to do. And instead of doing that, Jesus looks at him and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus, I don't know if you think they dropped me in here because I'm lazy and I just wanted to take a nap. I don't know if you can see my my real issue I don't know if you realize but I'm paralyzed bro so I appreciate the fact that you forgave my sins but I'm trying to walk out of here (laughs) like they brought me here because I need to walk and it's crazy that while we focus on our physical needs so much that Jesus actually sees our deeper real spiritual need and maybe if God met all of your physical needs right now you would forget them (laughs) and you would run out and you wouldn't even be following God three months from now but maybe he's wanting to heal your spiritual need and maybe it's been a long time since somebody looked at you and called you a son or a daughter maybe it's been a long time since you've asked for forgiveness from your sins but even if I was the friends I would be like bro Come on. How can he sin? <laughs> he can't move. <laughs> Was he yelling at people? Like, heal him. Because he, even sometimes when we bring hurting people in, I don't know if you do this, but I've caught myself praying for my family members. But it's like, God, I really need you to fix XYZ. Like, save them, but hurry up and fix these three things. Come on, my marriage would be awesome <laughs> if you could fix about these four or five things in Sydney. <laughs> Just kidding, babe. You're perfect. I'm the one with all the, with all the uh, problems. Like, we can, we can bring people to Jesus and then get frustrated when he's not doing it our way, when he's not doing it fast enough, when he's not. But can I tell you that Jesus has the power to forgive and he has the power to heal. He has the power to forgive and heal because the Pharisees go, who is this? That, who told him? Who gave him the authority? to come in here and forgive sins. That's reserved for God. He's blaspheming. And all throughout Mark, you can see that the religious people never get it. 
they, they never get it. They're always asking, who is this? Who is this? And Jesus is trying to show them, I'm the son of God. And I have the power to do both. I can walk in and I can say you're healed. Or I can walk in and I can say you're forgiven. And I can do either one because I have the spirit of God. And I can discern what people need. And when people come into the house of God, come on, we got to have some discernment about ourselves. That we don't rush to fix all of their physical needs before we stop and say, hey, how are you? Come on, how's your soul doing? I know you've been coming to church. I know you've been, I know you've been serving, but, but are you doing good? Are you broken on the inside and just smiling and, and putting up this facade on the outside? Like, how is your soul? Because Jesus has the power to do that. And it's not our job. It's not our job to do Jesus' job. So I want to relieve the pressure off of you for healings. Because our job is to get to, to Jesus. And it's Jesus' job to prove that he's the son of God. And every time Jesus comes through, like every time Jesus can prove it, every time, because even when the enemy thought he had him, when he was dead in the grave, Jesus still came back to life to prove that I am the one true and living God. And I have all authority on heaven and on earth, come on, to forgive sins and to heal people. As we close today, byproduct of people walking out of this house should be amazement and praise. Not amazement at how talented we are, how nice we are, not praise for, for what we can do, but amazement at what God can do through broken people. Amazement at what God can do with a little bit of faith and a little bit of works and some broken human beings. Like amazement at what God can do. You know, in, in February, I'll, I would, I'll celebrate my second birthday, okay? So it's a birthday when I was born, but then it's the day that I got saved. And so I'll, I'm coming up on 10 years uh, of being a believer. Come on. And I just, I just think back to when I was in high school and, and man, I, I was broke, like literally. <laughs> I was broke mentally and spiritually, had no hope. When you would ask me what I was gonna do with my life, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to graduate high school. Like that would be, that was an achievement in my family. Like that was as far as people had been doing whatever I wanted to do. And I'm grateful that when I was broken and while I was hurting, that there were some people who saw me and said, you know what, man, there's something more inside of you. The image of God is inside of you. And so I don't care if you wanna get on this mat or not, I'm putting you on this mat and I'm getting you to Jesus. And that moment changed everything for me. And we could go through the room at one point or another, you may not have been physically paralyzed, but we've all been paralyzed by something. Come on, you were paralyzed by fear or insecurity or by your background or by your upbringing. And if you were to be honest, there were some people stopped and said I'm gonna get you to Jesus maybe it was your parents and you were young and so you've grown up in church maybe it was a co-worker and because that's happened in my life I can't now stop and, and overlook people I can't just keep going on with my life I have to believe that this paralyzed man walked out and he began to tell people about it he began to share his story because once God has changed your life you can't keep it to yourself and so no matter how you walked in today, I'm hoping that you walk out different. If you walked in religious, I'm hoping you walk out full of faith 
and wanting to see hurting people. If you walked in broken, today we're going to pray, and I'm praying that you would be healed, and that you would meet the one who can heal you and forgive your sins. And if you walked out one, walked in wanting to be a carrier, then I'm praying that you walk out today encouraged that God is going with you and he's going before you. And so right now, I just want us to begin to pray for the people in your life that in a year, if you'll see them, come on, if you'll fill the house with them and you'll have faith to see them healed, that they'll have a story and a testimony today. Come on. God, we thank you. Right now, God, I pray that you would bring people to our mind. God, you're already doing it. Holy Spirit, come on, that co-worker, that, that waitress at the re restaurant that we always go to, come on, that sibling, that parent, God, give us the boldness. Give us the faith. Give us a soft heart for people. you haven't saved us so that we could keep it to ourselves God every room we walk in other people should walk out different empower us to do that help us to be like these four men who wouldn't take no for an answer who wouldn't get discouraged God but help us make a way God, when we bring people to you, we're asking that you would touch them, that there would be healing power in this place. God, right now, every person that walked in with a headache, every person that walked in with an injury, God, we speak, we speak healing over them right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that a touch from you is all they need. God, we refuse to leave the way that we came. God, help us walk out differently. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.